This episode is made possible with the help of our friends at Deep Eddie Vodka. Hey everyone, I'm Cappy and you're listening to Beyond the Drink, a production of Beyond the Plate. Beyond the Drink is a short segment where some of the best mixologists in the country explain the fascinating stories and recipes behind their favorite drinks. In this week's episode, we're talking with Lynn House. Lynn is the National Spirits Specialist and Portfolio Mixologist for Heaven Hill Brands and Deep Eddie Vodka. Prior to her time at Heaven Hill, she was Chief Mixologist at Blackbird Restaurant in Chicago and some other fine establishments. Among her many accolades, she is an inaugural member of the Dame Hall of Fame, which celebrates women in the beverage industry. And she's the sitting co-chair of the Tales of the Cocktail Education Committee. I asked Lynn for a Bloody Mary recipe and gosh, are we getting a Bloody Mary recipe. She's going to take us through the different ingredients in her house mix, the balance of flavors. You're going to get a new technique for rolling a Bloody Mary, not shaking. This is a good educational episode, the ones we love. I will stop here, but to get this recipe, check out the episode notes in your podcast player or go to beyondtheplaypodcast.com. Please enjoy this episode as we go beyond the drink with Lynn House. Well, hello, everybody. My name is Lynn House. I am the National Spirit Specialist and Portfolio Mixologist for Heaven Hill Brands and Deep Eddie Vodka. It's a pretty long title, but just to kind of summarize it, I love drinks. I love making drinks, and that's what I do. So, you know, it is 2021, and my favorite cocktail to kick the New Year off with is a Bloody Mary. It uh, rights the wrongs from the night before, and it's just a really delicious cocktail when made correctly that gets the New Year started perfectly. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Bloody Marys, how spicy, not spicy, the rights, the wrongs, and such. I love it. You're making me thirsty. All right, let's go through the uh, let's go through the components and then the ingredients to your mix, and then we could dive in. How's that? Perfect. So the structure for I mean, the Bloody Mary is a classic cocktail. It's born out of the snapper, so it was originally something that was created with gin, but became very popular with vodka here in the United States. And the ingredients are simple. It is a base spirit, so we're going to use Deep Eddie the straight vodka which is just our 80 proof, about four ounces of Bloody Mary mix. I actually make my own mix. I love making my own mix because then I can control the salt, the sugar. I can make it spicier. I can make it lighter, all these kinds of things. And a little fresh lemon juice. And here's a little key to when you're making a Bloody Mary. One of the biggest mistakes I see people do all the time is they put all the ingredients together and they shake it. People need to understand that tomatoes are what we call a coagulant fruit. So they have a lot of water in them. So when you shake it, what you actually do is you destroy the cell texture of the tomato and too much water gets into your cocktail. And if I wanted vodka and water, I would drink vodka and water. I want a Bloody Mary. So what you 
there are two techniques that you could do when you're making this cocktail. You know, your two ounces of vodka. If it was an extra hard night the night before, maybe two and a half ounces. Four ounces of my house Bloody Mary mix, and I tell you all about what I put into it. My name is Lynn House, so everything I made is a, is a house cocktail. And a half ounce of lemon juice because you always want that balance. But you could either put it into a mixing tin and stir it because you still need to chill it and bring it down to dilution. Or you can roll it, but you just don't want to shake it because then you're going to have a, a watered down cocktail. And who wants to drink a pink Bloody Mary? I noticed that. So for everybody listening, I know I said this in the introduction, but you could find this recipe in your podcast player episode notes or on our website at beyondtheplaypodcast.com. And you'll notice, and that was one of the first things that popped out at me, was that you said to add the ingredients to the glass with the ice and gently roll. And my 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 ears kind of perked up because you don't see that, you know, every day in a cocktail type recipe. Exactly. There's very few cocktails that you roll. You'll you'll generally roll some things with cream, with mango, other things that have high water. But you should always either just stir or roll a Bloody Mary. My other huge pet peeve is when I go into a restaurant and I order a Bloody Mary. And I can tell they just threw a pint glass and threw vodka and then put Bloody Mary mix on top. And it's like two different colors. I'm like, you didn't give me a cocktail. You didn't give me this complete version of a drink. So rolling it or stirring it will allow the ingredients to mix together without degradating the integrity of the tomato that's in there. And also bringing in a great chill because chilling a cocktail is what gives it life. It extends the life of that cocktail. Yeah. That's brilliant. I feel like your mission statement in life could be, I imagine a world where all Bloody Marys are rolled and not shaken. Oh, I imagine a world where everyone just, you don't have to have 50 ingredients to make a great cocktail, but just people make a great cocktail. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny you say that because I, you know him very well, but Tony Abugano has been on this Beyond the Drink and that's why I love Tony. It's one of his things. It's like good ingredients, simple, classic techniques made well. And I, and I, and I get that from him and I get that from you too, which is very cool. Which leads me to my next question of not question, but statement. You say garnish simply. So it shouldn't be a meal in a glass. It, it should not be a meal in a glass. You should not need a knife and a fork to enjoy a cocktail or a side plate or side bowl. Very simple garnishes, garnishes that I love for a Bloody Mary that complement the ingredients that are in there. And that's, to me, the biggest issue with when people go overboard. I'm like, you're actually not even complimenting the cocktail. Like it has nothing to do with the cocktail. I'm in Chicago. You're in Chicago, Andrew. The pump room, which I actually used to work at back in the day, is known for the innovation of putting a stick of celery in their Bloody Mary. That's the venue that that garnish was created. So I keep my garnishes clean, a stick of celery, a lemon wedge. Too many people use lime. Lime is actually not a great citrus to work with tomatoes. Lemon is a better citrus to work with tomatoes. Hence why there's lemon juice in the recipe and there's I will use a lemon as a garnish. Another great garnish that I go to New Orleans a couple of times a year, or at least pre-COVID, I used to. They do pickled green beans, a spice pickled green bean. 
and it's so good and it just complements the ingredient. If you want to go a little extra fancy, then like a skewer of hard cheeses or some poached shrimp. But like I've seen pictures where there's like a fried chicken leg and a Kobe beef burger and all of this. I'm like, that has nothing to do with the cocktail, you know? So we do want, if, if anyone didn't catch that, Lynn House has her house Bloody Mary mix, get it? Which she fooled me on because I was reading this thinking, oh, she's using just a house Bloody Mary mix. And then she explained it and I felt like the dummy. So I do want to get into the house Bloody Mary mix and talk about that. Actually, you know what? Let's get into that. I have a couple of questions, but they'll work better, you know, as we, uh, as we learn about the house Bloody Mary mix. Absolutely. So when you grow up with your last name as house, you deal with a lot. I have if anyone on there follows me on social media you all know i have a running rant about getting food delivered to my home and i live in an apartment and they're like i'll get a call we're looking for a house <laughs> so i'm like no it's lynn house address that's funny i've had amazon packages just like thrown in the front yard like we couldn't find the house it's torturous but where I've taken this and just owned it, like kind of like, I think I have a somewhat ridiculous last name with house. And again, people are like, how do you spell it? And all of that. But I'm like, when I was running beverage programs, I made so many of my ingredients. I ran the beverage program at Blackbird and I ran it at Graham Elliott. I was a master bartender at the drawing room and I made everything. And so I just started saying it's house made. And so this is my house bloody mix. And this is what I used at several restaurants and what I do at home. The first thing I always want to tell people is you want to make it a day ahead of time. It's like spaghetti sauce. The longer it can marry and marinate and macerate, the better your flavor is going to be, the more depth you're going to have. For my mix, and you can scale back, but I take about a 46-ounce bottle of tomato juice. I just get a really good tomato juice, organic. I don't want sugars added. I don't want salt added. I want to add that. That way I can also can control that. I add about four ounces of lemon juice to this mix. So just fresh squeezed lemon, a quarter of an ounce of Worcestershire sauce, a quarter of an ounce of hot sauce. Here's where you can flex a little bit. So if you want a milder one version, use Tabasco. I love spice. It cannot be too spicy for me. And I travel a lot. I've got all these amazing hot sauces from when I've been in the Caribbean. So I actually use that. But if you just want to make a classic basic one, Tabasco is perfectly fine. Just a straight Tabasco. And then you want to balance it out. So you want to add salt. You always need to add a little salt. Salt wakes up flavors. So just a half teaspoon of salt. Tomatoes have a lot of acid in them. So you always want to add a little bit of sugar because that sugar helps neutralize some of the acid. So about a teaspoon of sugar is what I add. And then I love flavor. So I don't like a bland cocktail. So I always add about two tablespoons prepared horseradish. I don't know about anybody else out there listening. I always have prepared horseradish in my house. It's one of those ingredients that's just a staple for me. So I add two tablespoons prepared horseradish. If you have access to fresh horseradish and you can put that in there, that's fantastic. But that's a hard ingredient to source. And then my little secret that makes it a house Bloody Mary mix is I like smoke. So I put in a nice heaping teaspoon of smoked paprika and I stir all that together and I just let it sit in the refrigerator overnight. Uh, so at least eight hours, the sugar, the salt, 
the spices all break down. That way in the morning you can go and kind of tweak if you want a little more acid, a little more sweet, if it's too spicy, whatever you can do to pull it back. And that's my house mix. So amazing. Sounds delicious. I cannot wait to make this. You know, it's funny you mentioned the spice. Like I'm a huge spice person and I love spice in my Bloody Marys, but I hate spice in my other cocktails. Now, with that said, if it's someone like yourself who I respect, like behind the bar, if you will, like I'll trust you in the cocktail. But I don't know, like I'm not a fan of like, like a jalapeno in my cocktail it just takes over for me. But I feel like the spice works so well in a Bloody Mary. So I agree 100% with you. I like a spicy Bloody Mary myself. I don't drink like spicy margaritas. And there's a reason why and this actually kind of goes to biology that if you're working with like a jalapeno, those oils are really highly acidic, and they can not sit well with you. But if you've looked at what I've done, I'm using non-acidic spice ingredients, particularly with like the smoked paprika, like that's all kind of been cooked off in the smoking process. I'm not using fresh. I'm using prepared horseradish. If I can get fresh horseradish, it's great, but it's not a super acidic spice. And it's all about balance because you don't want anything to blow the flavor away. And so it's just really important to look at that. So that's why I like using dried herbs and dried spices because I feel I can control the flavors a little bit better. Yeah, that's interesting. And on the horseradish, something else I think plays really well in a bloody. What's your opinion on like like the texture of a Bloody Mary? And I ask that because only at a couple places have I had more of a smooth Bloody Mary that you can sip easier or drink out of a straw, which I happen to love. I'm not like a huge fan of having to chew it, if you will. (laughs) But I'm curious, like there's some times where I'm like, I want a bloody and my wife's like, you're not going to finish it. You always drink half and leave it, you know, and I'm like, not to be high maintenance, but can you strain it for me? (laughs) Well, texture is always, texture is always important in a cocktail and a dish that you're eating. You know, there is huge crossover between the liquid world and the culinary world and texture is really important. And so that's also why I You know, I like prepared horseradish because it's going to dissolve in a cocktail a little bit better than fresh made. But sometimes if I just get some fresh fruit, I'll actually pull back in how much I put in. So I say that's why I say one to two tablespoons. I don't want to chew a cocktail. I chew my garnish. You know, I want to I want to sip on it. But I also, again, to the shaking point that I brought up earlier is I don't want it watered down. I don't want it to not have texture. So it's finding the balance. And here's the deal with a cocktail. It's like any plate of food. You got to make it to the way you like it. You know, particularly we're all we're all at home right now and crafting. And if you want it spicier, make it spicier. If you don't want it spicier, don't. If you want more citrus, you can. This recipe is just a template to start off with. And you all can take the house mix Call it your own house mix and add more spice, pull spice away, all those kinds of things. But I think I agree with you. Texture is really, really important. I don't like it when there's my cocktail is too chewy, but I also don't like it when it's like paper thin. And then last, it's certainly not least vodka. It's my Quite frankly, it's my number one spirit. People have said you're crazy. It doesn't taste like anything. But I but I think like there's such a difference in many vodkas. I truly happen to love Deep Eddie before they were a partner in this podcast and be on a drink. So talk to me about 
like the balance of vodka in a Bloody Mary. Some you just taste so much more predominant and some not. Obviously, that's however much someone decides to use. But in the end, I guess it's a balancing game. Yeah. Yeah. So I love the fact that I think your first guest in this series was Tony Albaganem. He's a mentor of mine. He's a teacher of mine. We're great friends. And he's a huge vodka expert. And a lot of what, what I know about vodka, I've learned from him. So there may be some repetition for your viewership here. The reality is that vodka is probably one of the most misunderstood spirits in the United States. Everyone thinks it's completely neutral. It's just water with a kick to it. And if you actually sit and taste a vodka made from corn, from rye, from potato, from wheat, you know, from from grapes next to each other, you're going to understand there's a lot of expertise and variance within that. And so what I love about Tibeti vodka, it's a corn vodka. So it's 100% corn. All distillates are gluten-free, but it is corn. So anyone out there who's like, I only drink, you know, gluten-free. It's gluten-free. TTB just finally put some formal regulations out. Like if it's a distillate, so like whiskey, even though it's made from grain, is, you know, gluten-free. But what corn brings to a distillate is that sweetness and that creaminess. And you talked about texture. It's not chunky texture, but it's mouthfeel texture. Because think about when you eat cornbread, corn in the cob. When you distill something, you're still going to get that sweet, that butter, that caramel, that texture, that creaminess. And so that's why I like it in using the base spirit with the deep eddy straight in this cocktail is because I'm still getting texture and some subtle sweetness, you know, which is why I'm not adding a lot of extra sugar to it. I get a creamy mouthfeel. The main ingredient in Bloody Mary outside of the vodka is going to be tomatoes and corn and tomatoes are just like a match made in heaven with the sweetness, the texture and the creaminess. And it lends itself really nicely to this cocktail. And this is also a reason why I don't add a lot of sugar, particularly to the base, because you are going to get some sweetness and natural creaminess just from that corn based vodka. Got it. Got it. And then that's hugely interesting and educational. I've learned a lot of new things. So my last question we're using the regular plain, if you will, vodka. Have you ever used or experimented with like one of the flavors? I actually heard someone use Deep Eddy lemon in a Bloody Mary once. What do you think about that? I could see using Deep Eddy lemon in a Bloody Mary. I personally haven't done it. What I would do is I would actually pull back. I wouldn't use the full two ounces. And I would definitely adjust my house recipe to remove the lemon juice from it because then you're just going to have too much acidity. I'm tasting this in my head right now. So uh, <laughs> it was interesting to me. I'm like, oh, I want to try that. But like you said, you probably have to adjust accordingly. So it's not like a lemon drink. <laughs> but you know what people can do, you know, people are getting really creative right now and just having fun experimenting is that you can take that base and you could actually do a lot of infusions. You could infuse cucumber or cilantro or hot peppers, other elements that are actually going to be really great if you want to, you know, continue to make your own in-house 
blend. I think those would lend themselves really nicely to just a great Bloody Mary and impress your friends and family. Awesome. Lynn, this was everything I hoped for and way more. I'm thirsty. But before we let you go, we need to touch on a little social impact, giving back side of things. As you may know, all of our guests on Beyond the Plate, which is our companion podcast, they all give back in different ways, all these chefs and restaurateurs. And we know people who work in the beverage industry are no different. They, they are just as generous, just as giving. So we'd like to give you a moment to shed some light on an organization or a fund that you'd like to raise awareness for. Is there someone or some organization that's impressed you or moved you recently? Uh, well, there's two, actually. From, a, from Deep Eddy, we're huge supporters of the USO. Um, it's always important for us to give back to the women and men who volunteer to serve our country. And so we're huge supporters of that organization. And so when people are like looking forward during the holidays in particular, like who can we contribute to? I think it's really important from a national standpoint. And from a personal standpoint, there's an organization out of DC that is now becoming national and it's called HERD, H-E-A-R-D. And they are for people who are in the beverage and hospitality industry. This is their target group that they work with. And they raise funds to create resources medically, both physical, emotional, and mental for people in the hospitality industry. And this has been a really hard time. You know, a lot of people are out of jobs, out of work, not making what they are. COVID has been really hard. So I've been personally happy to be able to support them and knowing that those funds are actually going towards people in the hospitality industry and helping them get the medical resources, both physical and mental that they need to deal with this time. That's really, really troubling. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing both of those. I'm going to look into her. It sounds like an incredible organization. And uh, as we like to say, for anyone listening, give what you can. And giving doesn't always mean you know, all the money in the world. Obviously, money is nice and needed for organizations like this. But, you know, simply using your voice, as Lynn's doing right now, using your money, whether it's a dollar, $10, whatever it may be you can right. afford, and your time, you know, your time, your social media, your volunteering, your different efforts in that way. I think it's all equally as important. So thank you so much for shining a light on both of those organizations. Exactly. I think the easiest thing you can do is just share the information. So, And we'll close it out really quick with a few speed round questions. Let's start with the number one, name the cocktail that inspired you to get behind the bar. Ooh, the cocktail that inspired me to get behind the bar, probably a Manhattan. As I say, it's my favorite cocktail of all time. So, Name a smell behind the bar that you love. Lemon. Name a smell behind the bar that you hate. Cleaning solution. <laughs> And last one, one cocktail that every home mixologist should have in their repertoire. Everyone should be able to make a good old fashioned. Awesome. And thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. It was a pleasure to talk to you. I'd love to do more of these in the future, but you're clearly in the position you are because of your experience, because of your knowledge. And I get that. I hear that. So thank you for sharing all this very, very useful information for all the listeners here at Beyond the Drink. We appreciate it. My absolute pleasure, Andrew. And uh, happy new year, everybody. May it be safe and healthy. Cheers. Find more on Lynn House on social media at Liquid Lady Lynn. 
to get this recipe, check out the episode notes in your podcast player or go to beyondtheplaypodcast.com. This episode is produced by myself along with Ian Cohen and Joel Yetton. Find me and keep up to date with this podcast across all social media platforms at On Kathy's Plate. Beyond the Plate is on all the socials at BT Plate Podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on your listening site of choice. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Drink, a production of Beyond the Plate. I'm Kathy.